triangle, right? I, I figured it out. The voice of reason, the, the solid hold it down, the beige rage, and the agitator. The Breakfast Club. Everyone just kept telling me to prep for this. One word to describe the Breakfast Club would be black. Impact in the culture. People watch the Breakfast Club for like news and really be tuned in, man. It, it, I don't even know what it calls the Breakfast Club. It's like brunch. Envy, ye, and Charlemagne. Wake that ass up, get out of bed, and listen to the Breakfast Club. I'm waking up. up. Good morning, USA. Yo, 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 Good morning, Angela Yee. Good morning, DJ Envy. Charlemagne the God. Peace to the planet. It's Tuesday. Yes, it's Tuesday. What's happening? Good morning. I was just thinking, last week, some Hennessy sent me some flowers. What happened to them? I told you we was gonna regift them. Yeah, we I, no, I, I, what I, happened to my flowers? Well, I didn't. I didn't. No one even them. took a picture. Sent them to me. I don't know what they looked I like. I took a picture of the card. I sent you a picture of the card. I, w- I said, can I get a picture of the actual flowers? Somebody, somebody might have threw them, them out though. They yeah. might have. Um, somebody took them out in. If, if when, when was that? What day was that last week? I want to say Thursday. Yeah. So over the weekend they probably was all rotten and stuff. Somebody probably threw them away. You was here yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, wasn't here yesterday. Yeah. Somebody probably threw them away over the weekend. Custodians. What? All right, thanks, guys. <laughs> I couldn't even get a picture to see I, what they look like. I sent you a picture of the card, so you know who they was the from. The card? I wanted to see the flowers. They well, were beautiful. Thank they, you. They were. They smelled great sure for the did. moment. Yeah. All right. Anything else? No, that's how I was wondering. <laughs> I thought Get It Off Your Chest was after front page news, but I guess we're starting early. Okay. All right. Well, Kevin Hart will be joining us this morning. Yes. My guy, Kevin Hart. How I miss Kevin Hart yesterday, man. He's still in Budapest? Still in yes, Budapest. Yes, he's in still Budapest. In Budapest? Mm-hmm. He has a movie coming out on Netflix, Fatherhood, this mm-hmm. on Friday. That's mm-hmm. right. So we're going to be kicking it with Kevin Hart. That guy never stops. Never. Nope. Is it, when, when you talk about people having a bunch of uh, irons in the fire, he has a bunch of irons in the fire. And you know, Absolutely. Father's Day is on Sunday. Yeah, nobody cares about us. <laughs> we just out here. You know what I mean? We, we we lucky if we get a happy Father's Day, maybe a card. I'm not going to lie. I thought I missed it. I was, I was <laughs> See, like, should I just miss Father's Day? That's what I'm Day? talking about. See, nobody cares. <laughs> nobody yeah, cares about nobody us. Cares. Our job is just, we just here to protect and provide. And that's fine. You know, I hate that I try to buy my father nice things every year and he never uses them. Like I bought him some like brand new nice sweatsuits with matching sneakers. All he does is wear these old promo t-shirts. He refuses to <laughs> he's wear that's what the he's things that in. I get him. I got him a Gucci wallet. He won't use it. He uses his old wallet Look, with a rubber band tied around it. He's comfortable. He knows what's in that wallet. He knows that rubber band keeps his wallet closed and safe. So he's good. He used that car I bought him, though. And he said that was too expensive. He really didn't want that. He wanted something a lot less. You know, the truth to the matter is fathers really don't <laughs> want anything, though. You peace, know what I mean? Like, peace, I, I just peace, like to know that I'm peace. loved. I like to know that I'm valued. I like to know that I'm appreciated. There's nothing you I really, smart. truly want. That's the truth, though. Peace. I got I got a beautiful wife. I got Just three beautiful daughters. I don't. Re- I don't. I got everything I want. I really don't want. There's nothing I want. Physically. It's not about what you want, though. It's a gift. That's why yeah. I like to give people gifts that they wouldn't get themselves. I think that's a great gift. Like I would have never bought this for myself. Thank you. It's like a splurge. But what if I don't? I mean, what if I get it and I'm like, thank you, but then I really don't see no use for it. It's the truth. No, he'd be thinking it's like too dressy <laughs> or something. I mean, it's, it's, it's a hard one because, I mean, anything that I want, I get myself. So it's like, it's words. It's nothing, you know. I don't really need anything. Just give me a little peace. Well, that's then all. I don't want to hear y'all complaining about Father's Day. Y'all don't want nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, I just complain I mean, about the, the I, I just complain about the fact that, you know, nobody really truly cares. Nobody cares. You know what I mean? Maybe it's our fault. Maybe it's the energy we put out. Oh, we yeah, don't want nothing. We don't care. Terrible, y'all yeah. just put out. So we get it back. I don't know. 
I, I just know. try to offer all kinds of things, nice things. Oh, I don't want that. Oh, I ain't hear you say nothing but a bunch that. of stuff your daddy don't want. <laughs> Man, say he don't want no sweatsuit. Don't give me another one. He, he didn't don't want say no he didn't want it. I'm just saying that he continues to wear these beat up old clothes. Maybe he likes them. Buy him some more. I, I will say that I don't mind a good. I wouldn't mind a good sweatsuit. That's what I'm saying. Sweatsuits are like yeah, yeah, nice and easy yeah, yeah, to wear. Yeah, 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 you know. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I'm cool with a good sweatsuit. I'm not gonna lie. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the God. We are the Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Mm-hmm. The NBA, the Hawks beat the 76ers last night, 103-100. Great the game. tied 2-2. Great game that was. Clippers beat the Utah Jazz, 118-104. They tied that series 2-2. And tonight, the Bucks take on Nets at 8-30. I told y'all Bucks in seven, the way it's looking right now, um, Bucks in six. But I'm going to still stick to Bucks in seven because I feel like Kevin Durant can have one a monstrous game, and 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 have a, have some help from his supporting cast to maybe pull one out. Maybe I'm going maybe to pull Brooklyn one out. Nets. Let's go. Did well, you would just be wrong. Did they say when James Harden or uh, Kyrie? James and Kyrie not playing game five. Mm. Both of them. All right, now a dispute over a mask on Monday at a grocery store led to a shootout that left an employee dead and two people, oh, including a sheriff's deputy, injured. Uh, the suspect entered the Big Bear supermarket that was in Decatur, and there was an argument with the cashier over a mask. Uh, they gave a few details about the argument, but said the whole thing was over a face mask. The suspect then shot the employee, employee, and she died from her injuries. Mm-hmm. And then a reserve deputy working security at the store fired at the suspect to return fire. Both were injured and taken to local hospitals. All these stories of people doing too much just escalated. You told one story of somebody doing too much, then told another story of somebody doing too much. You got anything else? Did, did y'all see the video of the, uh, <laughs> what was it, the security Shopping guard at, at Lenox Mall getting shot? Mm. Two 15-year-olds, oh, yeah. a, a, a boy and a, and a girl, yeah. shot the, the security guard at Lennox Mall oh, trying to get to the Apple and a girl store. When, That's what they say, two 15-year-olds. When they were dressed in all black and they yeah. had the gun pulled out of my side. How crazy is that? Man, this, they're saying that this year is... Um, last year was a lot of shootings, but they're saying this year is already outpacing last year. Because people... In de- first in decades. ...are starving. Mm-hmm. They've, been, they've, been, they've been hurting financially for a year and some change, and they out here in these streets. I was in Miami this weekend, and I had like people running up on me saying, oh, we, you got to do something in Miami to talk to these kids. These kids are getting these PPP loans and, uh, and investing in hits on folks. I was like, Jesus Christ. All right, well, uh, speaking of that, they're saying this is the summer of quitting, and a lot of people are quitting their jobs and not coming back to the office. So uh, they said more than 3.9 million people quit in April, and that's the highest quit rate since the agency started collecting that information back in 2000. The number of job postings has also hit a record high with 695,000 more open positions than unemployed workers. So that's the trend right now. I guess a lot of people are starting their own businesses, doing what they want to (laughs) do. You know, people are getting all kinds of benefits right now, so we shall see what's going to happen to get people back in the workplace. They're getting those PPP loans. And then, you know, it's the whole talk about everybody being independent and, you know, uh, wanting to own your own thing. And a lot of people have pivoted during the pandemic. uh, One person said after a year of unprecedented stress, a lot of people have been also burnt out and reexamining how to live their lives. People have had epiphanies over the past year. We all want to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. And many of us have realized our job is not the best way to get there. Yeah, and and people Mm -hmm. probably feel like they don't want to depend on um, anybody else in case, you know, the the bottom falls out. You know, last year when COVID happened, people got laid off. They couldn't make ends meet because they didn't know how to make their own money on their own. So... And these jobs ain't paying, let's be honest. I'm right. not going to say that. They're paying. They may nah. not be paying what you want, but they're paying. Yeah, not a living wage. 
predatory. I mean, some people are like, I haven't had a break in 10 years. Mm -hmm. You know, they got their master's degree. They got a good job, but they don't want to burn themselves out. Quality of life is important to people. Uh, some people have gotten some good savings during this time. Mm -hmm. They have financial cushions because of the stock market. You know, there's all kinds of reasons why. I always tell people you could do both. It's 168 hours in a week. You know what I'm saying? So if you're working, if let's you just say to. 40 hours a job somewhere, at least you know you got that. Like you got that right. that little safety net. And then you can pursue, you got, you know, you got 140, what, eight other more hours? No, let me see, 40, 128 other more hours to go. pursue your dream. Some people just don't want to, they don't want to work. They don't want to do the work. Yeah, All right, good. well, that is your front page news. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up right now. Phone lines are open. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. your time to get it off your chest whether you're mad or blessed so you better have the same energy we want to hear from you on the breakfast club hello who's this good morning i wanted to give a shout out to dj envy charlamagne the guy and Angela E. what's up brother not much not much man i wanted to get out my chest every man out of dm'd you if my tag is under the life of Rodney. i've been trying to get the car show just happened in atlanta man but it's been a struggle what's been a struggle about the car show Man, I've been trying to understand how you wanted me to like go about uh, getting into it as far as entering it. Oh, you want to put your car in the car show? Yeah, yeah. Oh, just email me. Email me um, djmvcarshow at gmail. What kind of car you got, first I, of all, brother? I did, brother, but I ain't got no response. I got a, a 2019 ZL11 LE. I don't even know what that is. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, so, a what? Check me out, man. All right, well, we check it out. Email me this morning. I, I'll make sure my assistant gets you back today. All right, that's it. Appreciate All right, it, man. Have a good one. Peace, man. The car show is July 3rd in Atlanta. I can't wait for you guys to come sit. You sure it's not in Chattanooga? No, mine is in Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> the story you did was in Chattanooga. Hello, who's this? Salute to Chattanooga, though. <laughs> Hello, who's this? Yo, this is Dre. Dre, what up? Get it off your chest. Hey, man, I got a few things to say. You started. Don't y'all ever, 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 ever. Start the breakfast club with all that negativity in the morning, man. Ain't nothing came out your mouth good. <laughs> you, you got the Uzi it's out the this news, morning, so man. The news, the news is not good right now. It's, I mean, when is the she news ever good though? They say when it bleeds, it leads on the news, bro. Hey man, that was crazy, man. I wanna, I wanna send some peace and positivity to the world. Okay. All is love. I love y'all. Be positive day on this Tuesday. We ain't had Charlemagne yesterday, but we got him today. Yes, sir. One more thing I want to say too, um, y'all in this this don't play the same stuff every hour on the on the on the. I news. thought we were doing positivity. Yeah, this great. I know, but I got. I still got. I'm giving y'all donkey a day for that. No, hold on, hold on, slow down. That's this the was radio. all positive. Uh, don't we mess with you. Gave everybody morning, love. Now you want to switch it to negative? Well, it's the radio you way put the too. Down. <laughs> yeah, put, put the Draco down. <laughs> yeah. You you're starting gracious. to bleed on people who didn't cut you. <laughs> right, right. It's not that time of the month. I'm tired of hearing the same thing every morning. Dre, just duck and get out the way, man. I'm the same way. I don't man, like hearing the same new, thing every morning either. But I know it's the radio. Don't be DJing. Let's put a new CD in. Put a new CD in. How do you think this works, bro? We're digital. We digital now, baby. It ain't a new CD, but I feel you. All right, well, have a good one, Dre. Yeah, you you put the You sure you don't want to get more off your chest? I'm really annoyed this morning. Yeah, we bought the clothes to get it off your chest segment. I'm really annoyed. Say it now. Forever hold your peace, Yee. All right, well, we have rumors on the way. You want good news or bad news? Yeah. However you want to give it to us, just, you know, hey. 
Well, let's talk about In the Heights, right? There's an apology now, and some people are upset about the movie, and we'll tell you why. All right, we'll get into that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get to the rumors. Let's talk In the Heights. It's time, time, time. She's spilling the tea. This is The Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. Well, over the weekend, In the Heights made $11.4 million. It did not uh, get the expectations they thought it would at the box office. As you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda actually did this movie. He's the one that did Hamilton. And John M. Chu, who directed Crazy Rich Asians, directed this movie. Now, the whole point of this movie was to show that Latin Americans are not a monolith. And a lot of the people who were part of the cast felt like they did a good job as far as representation. But during an interview with The Root, uh, there were some conversations about darker skin Afro-Latino representation, and people do feel like In the Heights fell short of representing that. Now, talking to The Roots' Felice Leon, uh, John M. Chu did notice that they missed the mark when she questioned him. She's a black New Yorker of Cuban descent. What are your thoughts on the lack of black Latinx people represented in your film? Yeah, I mean, I think that that was something uh, we talked about and um, and I needed to be educated about, of course. In the end, you know, when we were looking at the cast, we tried to get the people who were best for those roles and that specifically, and we saw a lot of people, people like Daphne or Dasha. But I hear you on, um, you know, trying to fill those cast members with darker skin. Mm. I mean, first first about the box office, I was very confused about where to watch it in the Heights because for some reason I thought it was on Netflix, then I saw it on HBO Max, then I saw it in theaters, so I was confused on even how to watch it. So I guess it's in theaters and on HBO Max? Yeah, HBO mm. Max and in theaters. And it, I think it kicked off the Tribeca Film Festival. And the Puerto Rican Day Parade was actually there. They kind of led the Puerto Rican Day Parade. They did a small one. Mm. They had a Puerto the Rican Day Parade? Mm-hmm. I thought oh, it was wow. only virtual. That's what I thought. Yeah, it was mostly virtual, but they had a little small thing with in the Heights leading okay. it. It was just a few blocks. Okay. All right, now Lynn Manuel Miranda actually wrote on social media, I started writing in the Heights because I didn't feel seen, and over the past 20 years, all I wanted was for us, all of us, to feel seen. I'm seeing the discussion around Afro-Latino representation in our film this weekend, and it is clear that many in our dark-skinned Afro-Latino community don't feel sufficiently represented within it, particularly among the leading roles. I can hear the hurt and frustration over colorism, of feeling still unseen in the feedback. I hear that without sufficient dark-skinned Afro-Latino representation. The work feels extractive of the community we wanted so much to represent with pride and joy. So he did say he is truly sorry. He's learning from the feedback. But, but why does that feedback have to come from social media? Like, these productions go through a lot before they hit the big screen. Like, you know, you mean to tell me that nobody saw this beforehand? Like, all these folks that work on these productions? I mean, just in casting alone, someone had to see this, and someone should have said something. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's the point. But I, now people, you know, once they've seen the movie, are responding, and there it is. I feel like a lot of times these movies get it wrong, too. It's like an ongoing thing. Which is crazy because there's a lot of people involved before it hits the, actually hits the big screen. All right, now, Wendy Williams and Gary Owen were spotted at dinner. I don't know if it was a date or what, but they were at the reopening of Scotto's in New York City. Um, and insiders are saying that the two of them were having a good time you know, he had a very flirtatious appearance on the Wendy Williams show, and that's why some of this reaction has been like, okay, what's going on with the two of them? Here is Wendy Williams. Would you like to have dinner? Because <laughs> here's what I'm thinking, right? We go to Fresco by Scotto, you're gonna melt. No, I'm he's not, not saying, saying yes. I'm not saying, listen, what I'm not gonna do, I'm not saying yes, no, on the air. 
That's how more rumors get started. Yeah, but I can clear this up. I got the purple chair every day. Oh, that's right. So it's, it's like, yeah, you saw me ask him out. We went to Scotto, we had a good time. Then he took his Uber back to his hotel and I took, you know, my car back to my apartment. Right. Yeah, Separate. yeah. Okay, that's Yeah. Cool. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. awkward. Now, she also did an interview with Interview Magazine. Don Lemon interviewed her, and she opened up about life after her divorce. He asked about uh, if her being so open about her private life affects her on-air persona, and she said, definitely, when we were married, I was very happy, but I had to make sure that when he and I divorced, my life wouldn't suffer, because if my life suffered, then that meant my son's life would suffer, too. I loved Kevin, and he loved me, but I was probably too much for him. I guess he found somebody who was just regular and who would cater to his every need. I tried, but hell... I gotta get up in the morning. The idea that the show wasn't called The Wendy Hunter Show was a big source of problems. If somebody called him Mr. Williams, all of a sudden a sunny day would turn into a storm cloud. I'm disappointed in him, but I quickly got over that because anger causes wrinkles. Now she also talks about her issues with past addictions. And she said uh, the reason why Kevin had her in a sober house was because the girl he had an affair with was about to have a baby and he needed to put me someplace where I couldn't watch TV. He took away my phone. He took away my cash. He took away everything. So that is uh, Wendy Williams in Interview Magazine. All right, now get ready for some concerts. Are y'all ready to be back out and about at festivals, at concerts? Well, there's going to be a three-day uh, show and Kendrick Lamar is going to do a one-off show leading the Day in Vegas Festival lineup. It's a three-day mm. hip-hop festival that's going to be in Vegas November 12th to the 14th with Travis Scott, Tyler, the Creator, and Kendrick Lamar as nightly headliners. They're going to be names like Lil Baby, Da Baby, Doja Cat, and SZA also on the bill. Little Uzi Burt, Saweetie, YG, Polo G, Ari Lennox, Jasmine Sullivan. Sounds pretty dope. Now, Mr. Lamar doesn't just step out. No, he does not. So if Mr. Lamar is headlining a show, when is that? November? It's going to be November 12th to the 14th. They're saying it's going to be his only live performance of 2021. So should we assume that a new Kendrick Lamar project is dropping around that time? Now, the festival art makes it very clear that it's going to be a look back at his catalog, not something to promote a new album. Hmm. Shot your stuff all day. I don't know, though. That don't sound like Kendrick. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't think Kendrick would just step out for no reason, even though I, hmm. I, it probably is a celebration of his classic catalog. I don't think he would step out for no reason. It's got to be something. Isn't Baby Keem on that lineup, too? Mm -hmm. Maybe Baby Keem's album is Yeah, Baby Keem. And Baby Keem's also on Made in America. Hmm. Just, just FYI. Well, maybe man is just performing his old catalog. And I expect man. Baby... No, Kendrick don't move. Kendrick and Top Dog, them. they don't just do... No, they don't just move like that. Not when it comes to Kendrick. All no. right, well, that is your rumor report. <clears throat> something else around this. All right. Well, we got front page news next. What are we talking about? Take two. Nelly Sports Bar in Washington, D.C. We're going to talk about what happened after you a bouncer sure? dragged. Are you sure? Are you I sure? did the story myself, okay? Are you sure it's Washington, D.C.? I'm positive. you I sure did. it's Nelly and not Chingy? I did my own <laughs> huh? research this time. Okay. okay. All right. Well, we'll see when we come back. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Angela Yee here, and did you know that the General Insurance has been saving people money for nearly 60 years? That's a long time. So if you want the quality coverage you deserve at prices you can afford, check out The General. 800-GENERAL or visit thegeneral.com. Some restrictions apply. All right. How y'all feeling this morning? Y'all like? Right, man, I'm, listen, I'm blessed, black, and highly favored. You hear me? I hear you. Okay, God is greater than God is greater in me than my uh, enemies in the world. Kumbaya. Okay, Kumbaya. The All Lord right. is my refuge. <laughs> <laughs> so who shall I fear? I don't have any enemies. <laughs> Akuna Matata. Do we need to sage the room? Yeah, sage, let's sage yeah, the room. Let's sage the room. Did I bring any of my sage? I don't know if I bought any sage. I might have a crystal for you. 
Hey, hold on, let me see. <laughs> when you call somebody to do a prayer. <laughs> Let's get Ray J in the line. Where's Ray J when you need him? <laughs> I don't know what's going on in this room today. Mm. Yeah, you good? Yeah, why am I not good? I'm just making sure. Don't, don't shoot at me. <laughs> why would I not be good? I'm just asking. I'm I would give good. you my smoky quartz, but it's for me and my protection. But I'll, I'll wave it around <laughs> wave you. Wave it around. You wave it around? <laughs> I'll wave it around you. I'm waving right. my smoky quartz around you. Let's Angelique. see if it works. Let's get some front page news. <laughs> All right, now let's start NBA. Last night, the Hawks beat the Sixers 103-100. Great game. The Clippers game. beat the Jazz 118-104, both series tied 2-2. Now, yeah, you have front-page news. You, got the <laughs> you don't news. want to mention that the Bucks are playing the Nets tonight? Oh, the Bucks are playing the Nets tonight at 8.30. I don't want to let's piss you Let's go Nets! Bucks and seven. I don't want to piss you Come off. Come on, let's go Nets. I feel sh- good about this it, one. It'll probably be Bucks and six, but I'm going to still say Bucks and seven because that was my original nah, uh, prediction. Nah, nah, nah. I'm thinking the Nets still got it. Now, yeah. You're The crazy. Nets about to win the whole thing. Tell you're, us, you're out of your minds. Yeah, tell us the story about Chattanooga. I mean, D.C. <laughs> go. All right, now, a viral video of a young black woman being dragged out of Nelly's sports bar sparked a protest on Sunday night and called to boycott the establishment. Keisha Young, she's a 22-year-old college student at Morgan State University, has identified herself as the woman in that viral video. It shows a security guard dragging her down the stairs head first, and it's not Hmm. clear from the video why she was dragged down the stairs and removed. Now, on Monday, Nellie's did say they fired the independent security vendor that they hired for Pride Week, and they are investigating the matter. They said it's ongoing, and we will cooperate with any law enforcement investigation. However, we do not need to wait for the investigation's conclusion before we take decisive action. We offer a heartfelt apology to all who witnessed the horrific events of this past weekend. No matter what behavior occurred prior, nothing warrants mistreating and disrespecting one of our guests. Here is what Keisha Young had to say. There was an altercation in there. They were trying to get some other people out because somebody else brought a bottle in there. Somehow I got mixed up in an altercation because I looked, I was, I looked like somebody else and I got sick right down the steps. I didn't do nothing wrong and that's all I wrote. It's first walking up the steps and getting dragged right back down the steps. That is so crazy. Yeah, I love those brothers who jumped on that mm-hmm. security guard. I don't care what that sister did. It was another way for security to handle that. And if you see a woman being dragged down the steps by her hair, you should absolutely positively intervene. Absolutely. Like, come on. That could be your your, your, your mother, your sister, your daughter, you know, your friend. Like, come on. That come establishment, on, they, I know they fired security, but they should pay for that, that young lady's, that young woman's uh, college. She's at Morgan State. I don't know how many years she has left. Paid for that and set her up for the future. She was embarrassed. She was dragged out to your establishment. That video went viral. She's going to have some type of trauma. Take care of that woman. She did nothing. Well, she is pursuing a lawsuit, and she she will file a police report against the security guard. And this is not the first time Nellie's has come under fire for concerns. Uh, The activist group No Justice, No Pride organized a boycott in 2018 after patrons noticed a Blue Lives Matter flag Hmm. flying above the establishment, and they did apologize after that, too, and said they learned a lesson about racial inclusivity, and they were planning to make the space more welcoming. And that's that's emotional trauma she has to live Uh with forever. You know how many years of therapy she's going to have to go through just having to relive that moment over and over yeah. especially because it's viral no urban no nobody black or minority should uh, go to that establishment there should be no dj that should be allowed to dj in that establishment no artist should perform in that establishment until they take care of that young lady all right now south, a woman in south africa has reportedly given birth to 10 babies at one time yes and that's a new world record she actually gave uh natural birth for five of those 10 and then five via cesarean section i don't believe it she did. And that was no. That was no in vitro or none of that. That was just natural. I don't know. You know what she did, but who, who she gave, gave birth story? to the ten. I, yeah, yeah. Where did you I get did this one from? myself. You sure? Yeah, I did you this get one this story myself. From? Okay. 
You sure she don't have 10 kids over a span she of 30, 40 years? seven boys and three girls. She At said, I'm one happy, time? I am emotional, I can't talk much. If you see the picture of her, I mean... Cite your sources. How much do these kids weigh uh, individually? They gotta be small. They gotta be like one Is pound, it, two pounds. This uh, uh, one South African official confirmed the birth to the BBC. And so, yes. Woo. How do you feed all? You cannot possibly breastfeed all those babies. Now, a human is not possible. Is, cannot po- physically breastfeed ten children. And they beat out that couple that they they have at a show nine. on. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a, sh- a couple that has a show on. I believe it's TLC or one of them shows. And they have uh, let, me, let me get their name. Dion Dorico, the Dorico family. What about Octomom? How many she had? Eight, right? She has eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she, her husband's in vitro. The Dorico family did all his uh, natural, but not at one time, though. One time is crazy. Well, last month, another woman gave birth to nine babies. At one time? Yeah. Oh, my Octomom God. Octomom kids should be grown now, ain't they? <laughs> yeah, they should be Where they at? Where they reality show? I don't know. All right. Well, that is your front page. Where is the Octa Kids reality show? Why are you so obsessed with Octomom? I'm just asking. Like, I want to know where those kids are. Where, I want to hear their story. <laughs> they should be old enough to talk now, right? They I, be, I'm yes. so sure they're yeah. open. I'm sure they can speak now. <laughs> There's actually an Octomom Kids now. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. All right. Well, when we come back, Kevin Hart will be joining us. Kevin Hart has a new flick that comes out this weekend called Fatherhood. And we'll talk to him about everything. So don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ MV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building or online. Hey. We got Kevin Hart. What's yes, up, sir? sir? How are you, man? How's everything with you? Oh, brother, I can't complain. Same old, same old. Drinking milk, getting tall, making it do what it do. And whatever it did, it doesn't. So that means that I'm going to get it done. Did that make sense? Now, where are you right now? Wait, hold where on. So you don't, you? Have a, you don't have a lactose intolerance? Right now, I do not have a lactose intolerance. My, my stomach is definitely not right, though. I've been meal prepping. So, you know, I'm on this... Uh, it's green and like uh, protein. So I'm definitely I'm definitely running back and forth a little bit. I'm in Budapest though. Okay. I'm in Budapest. In right Budapest. Yeah. What are you filming out there? I'm filming a movie called Borderlands, uh, a movie for Lionsgate based off of a video game, a very successful video game that has uh, Borderlands 1, 2, 3. I mean, they got about between 50 to 80 million users that actively play this game and they decided to create a movie out of it. So it's myself, Kate Blanchett, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Jack Black. Um, we are the leads of the movie. Uh, Ariana, Flo, I mean, we got a great cast, directed by Eli Roth. Um, it's good, it's exciting. Something else that uh, that I can throw my audience on a loop with. It's uh, a different- for, Budapest, for people that don't know, how is Budapest, if you had to describe it, Cause I've never been there. So like, what is Budapest, Budapest like? Is in, Budapest is in Hungary and it's two separate places. So you have Buda and Pest. It's actually separated. <laughs> so you have Buda, really? and then, yeah, and then on the other side is Pest. Uh, but the scenery out here, the architecture out here, the history is unreal. So the locations that you find to film in are are just like nothing you'll ever see. You know, it's a, it's a movie that's kind of got a sci-fi twist to it. So these locations play a very significant part. Is that the movie you were training with Navy SEALs for? Yeah. I am responsible for all action in this movie. I am playing the character called Roland, and Roland is a soldier. So the director wanted to throw the audience for the loop. He wanted to cast me. And in casting me, we agreed that I would take this uh, serious and go a completely different route. So I trained with some Navy SEALs. I did some high intensity uh, weapons training. 
and really got down with military. So in this, I really am the role of a soldier. I'm combat, hand-to-hand -hand weapons, etc. So I can't wait, you know, for people to see it because it's it's going to act. It's going to have a major shot. And that's what we wanted with the part. That is very exciting, though, to be able to have those abilities now. Yeah, I'll, I'll f somebody up. I know some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Fatherhood. Yes. Fatherhood. Yes. First of all, I, I yes. didn't miss any kids. If you're in Budapest, when's the last time you seen the babies? The kids. But they're out here with me. I oh. have them come out here with me, man. Yes. Once school. Kevin's got. I don't know if you noticed, but Kevin has a lot of money, yeah. and he can. <laughs> yes, bring family. <laughs> once, once, uh, once school stopped, I had the family come out. You know, I mean, when you have the opportunity to film in these type of places, I think it's important to try to give your kids experiences that they can hold on to. So my kids love working on sets when I'm on sets. Uh, my daughter's interning for me right now. My son, he's in love with the world of action and stunt development and choreography. So I had my son come out, work with the stunt team a little bit, just in learning and understanding and just watching what I do. So it's, uh, it's one thing just to see the star that's attached to the dad. It's another to really understand the work that goes into it. So I've, uh, I've worked very hard on just making sure my kids understand how movies are made, how they break down and how significant the roles are that the entire crew and cast play. Um, in this case, they get to see it firsthand, but it's, uh, it's a great time. You know, this movie, this movie fatherhood is, uh, is one that's very near and dear to my heart. Uh, it's a true story based off of this guy named Matt Loglin, um, and, uh, a crazy, uh, turn of events that he had in life. You know, he was married, him and his wife were at the happiest point of their lives. She was about to deliver a baby. After delivering the baby, his wife passed away on the delivery table. And uh, it sent him in a, you know, a, a crazy whirlwind where he didn't want to live. He, he didn't know what his purpose was in life. And the journey of his progression as a father and his love for his little girl through that progression is a story that he wanted to tell and is one that we put on paper and, uh, and made a movie about. And, you know, when I found out about the movie and the role, uh, I wanted to make some changes to it, of course, but I wanted to stay as close to the story as possible. And we all agreed on the changes. And I loved the story and the opportunity because I felt it was the best, it was the best time to change the narrative um, attached to a black man as a father, you know, on the big screen. When we're portrayed on the big screen, we're always on drugs, off drugs, in jail, out of jail, not around, can't be found, or we show up last minute, and it's a story of why. And, you know, this is one that kind of has a positive, positive message and through story, right? Where you, you root for this guy, you understand the guy, but the love between he and his child or would really give him reason and want to go on. So um, it's a drama. It's it's a it's a real it's a real change for me. It's something that my audience is going to see and once again have the opportunity to go wow. It's me checking another box in my career and uh, just trying to stay on that road of progression. So I'm excited for people to see it. It's going down. The trailer, Fear wow. Jerker. Just watching all of that and it brings up so many things. Like we've been talking a lot about maternal health care too, right? And uh, women dying you know during childbirth after childbirth and how dangerous that is especially for black women that's something that we've been having all kinds of conversations about and then of course like you said just being a single father and uh, raising your daughter what kind of connection did you have with your on-screen daughter while you guys were filming it's insane because a lot of the emotional strings that i had to tug and pull from you know i put myself as close to uh the position that matt was in and you know i, I can only imagine i can't 
I can't imagine. Um, but I tried to, you know, put some type of picture in my head as to what it would be like if, if it were me, if it were me and my little girl. And, you know, a lot of those tear jerking moments are because it's real. It, it, it was real for me in those scenes. And I, and I really, I really went there by, by thinking along those lines. And, you know, Melody, uh, my co-star in this film, the little girl, she was so good and our chemistry on camera and off, um, it just kept getting stronger and stronger because we spent a lot of time together. But that bond, that bond between a father and daughter or, or just a child in general, when worked, it's unbreakable. It's, it's a bond like no other, man. And uh, I can say for me, I use a lot of my real life experiences as a parent to pull those emotions, to help me stay true to this storyline and, and make sure that I was in a grounded space of reality where people could believe and really relate. And I, I can say confidently, this is my best performance on screen in my career. This is, this is pound for pound the best work as an actor that I've done thus far in this movie. All right, we got more with Kevin Hart. When we come back, it's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Kevin Hart. Now, how do you balance being a, a dad and all the work that you do, right? Because when we're coming up, you want to you wanna make as much money as possible to support your family, right? But then when you make money, it's never enough. But then you look at your kids and you're like, I have enough money to chill, but I still want to continue to make money. So how do you balance the, I'm a dad, and then I need to make all this money because I'm setting up a future for legacy. How do you balance that? I think that all of those tears that you just talked about are ones that you have to experience ultimately to get to the point where you see what's really important, right? And as a guy that chases after success harder than anything, that chases after W's, multiple wins, that wants it in all aspects. Um, when it comes to this thing of family, you get to a weird space where you start to understand that the time that you think you're giving to your family isn't as much time as you could be given. And you then go, you know what? I need to prioritize my family the same way that I prioritize my will and want for success. And it's, it's a weird thing because you feel like, well, if I don't hustle and I'm not chasing after it, I can't get the money to take care of my family, which is true, which is why you need some success to make you see and understand what that is and what that feels like. But when it boils down to it, time can't be replaced and you can't get back. Um, and as you get older, you realize that. And that time that you kind of miss with those kids, you can look back on it and go, damn, you know, I." I missed a lot, you know, even though I was around, I missed a lot. You get to a place of just understanding the time is what's most important. And that happiness that we're all searching for, it boils down to a place of the people that you're giving your time to and that, that you're giving that energy to. So I got to a place of understanding that that's what really matters. The money's great. The success is great, but you know, I was in that room in the hospital, that money and success wasn't there. You just got the the people that kind of are, are with you and that matter in that box with you. So when it comes down to you being in that box or when it comes down to anything happening that puts you in a position of a box, who are those people that you're gonna share that with? 
who are going to be there with. And that's where I prioritize my my energy and effort now, like in making sure they know their worth, they know their value. And I'm, you know, I'm about to be 42, still figuring it out. It's a, it's a never ending puzzle game that that you got to just learn how to play correctly. And and it's the best for me as a as a father, as a husband of figuring it out is new. There's no handbook that comes with it. There's no tutorial. There's no study guide. You got to figure it out as you go. Now, Kevin, just to shift gears for a second, a big topic um, as the late, we saw Cat Williams and Cedric the Entertainer going back and forth about stealing jokes, right? And it's a fine line because sometimes there are certain themes that are very common and you might feel like somebody took something of yours, but it could be just that they had a similar joke. Has that ever happened to you where you felt like, did this person steal my joke or is it a coincidence? You're, you're, you're in a pool where you got a million comedians and, and you know, I hate to say it, it's sad, but what 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 material is that original today that that you haven't heard uh, in rendition of? You know, we we all are doing our best to make things our own, but you know, it's the it's the same topics for each of us, right? In the case where I've had things that have been similar, and I've seen somebody do something, get a new one. You know, move on from it. It's not it's not that serious. Uh, I've never made it that serious. And I never would, you know, it's, 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 it's too many of us. It's too many of us out there. And, and because of that, you know, you, you have to be understanding to sometimes it can be accidental. Sometimes it's not malicious. Now, if somebody's out there and they're doing what you said, word for word, <laughs> that's just, that's just a blatant <laughs> level of stealing. But if it's the same topic sometimes and people have done it, uh, I've never looked that deep into it, but that's another reason why I try my best not to watch comedy. I don't, I don't really watch a lot of comedy. I produce a lot. Um, I make sure that I develop a lot, but I don't sit back and watch it because I, I don't want to be in the same space of another comedian's ideas or another comedian's thoughts. So I try to remove myself from that as best that you I can. The, you think the world is, is getting soft? And, and, and the reason I say that is, I know you're a big basketball fan and you watch basketball now and everybody gets a foul <laughs> and they're thrown out the game. You know, if a comedian makes a joke, they want to cancel and cancel coaches so fast. Do so you think everybody's getting too sensitive and too soft? I mean, look, it's a conversation that can go either way. And, and do I understand the reason for some of the conversations that have been had and the changes that need to be made? Absolutely. Do I think that we all need to raise the bar? on on simply respecting and understanding uh one another and understanding the lines that that shouldn't be crossed or 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 that can be crossed absolutely but do i also think that there's a world where um where we're losing the idea of what a joke is or what the intent of a joke is done for right like it's right. it's not done uh, with the intent and purpose to hurt is done with the intent to get a laugh. And the risk in doing that is sometimes you don't get a laugh. That's the risk. That's the biggest risk. The reward is getting a is getting a laugh. I think that it's up to our job now as talent to just understand the respect level that we're supposed to have uh, for people in general and, and trying to 
you know, trying to do our best and and be an example of the change that we want to see within our world. I will say that flat out. Now, everything doesn't need to become a conversation. Everything doesn't need to become a war of opinions. Um, I think people are just forgetting that it's very easy to just not support something. It's very easy to not be a fan. It's very easy to change the channel. It's very easy to not watch that movie. It's very easy to say that this person isn't for me. I think we forgot that. And the same way like it's easy for you to make that decision, it's very easy for other people to make the decision of like. It's very easy. Some people like coffee, some people like tea. It's a choice. It, it, it doesn't matter. It's not, it's not that serious. And I think we're, we're forgetting about the decision. We're forgetting that just because you don't like it, it doesn't mean that you'd have to voice or express your level of dislike in a way to where it now is destructive, in a way to where it's now offsetting to others that do like. That now creates this conflict that sometimes doesn't need to be had. So, you know, I think eventually we'll get back to a place of just remembering uh, who you're fans of and who you aren't, right? It's, it's, it's very simple. I mean, I, I don't dislike country music, but I've never listened to it. It doesn't mean that I that I'm not a fan of it, but I can't I can't tell you a song. I can't tell Little you Little Nas X. I can't I mean I can't tell you his music. I know who he <laughs> is. I know uh, you know, the, the song that was a hit, but I'm saying it doesn't mean that I dislike it. It's just not for me. Right, I've right. made the choice to say that's not my cup of tea. It's nothing wrong with that. It did, like it's nothing wrong with making those choices. So it's like there's this big divide in everything today. There has to be a conflict of divide. It's right. it's me versus you. And if you don't like what, what I'm telling you you should like, then you stupid. And well, I don't get it. If you You can respectfully you, disagree. Yeah, like you you think he's funny, you dumb. He's he the funniest. He not. It's, it doesn't what it what it doesn't matter. It's right. it's a person to person choice. All right, well don't move. We got more with Kevin Hart when we come back. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Kevin Hart. Yee? I saw the um, Bill Maher situation where he weighed in on something that you said about white power and being at an all-time high. He took it very literally. And, he took it very literally. Know. I meant what I said, though. I, I wasn't mm-hmm. wrong about, about what I said. It, it wasn't a thing. And, and if he felt that I was, that's fine for him. But Bill Maher can't speak from a position of of knowing what the black community is going through still today like you can't speak from a position of never experiencing and never being a part of and acting as if you do and as if you have right where i mean i looked at a video today with more cops beating a young guy's ass they broke this kid's ribs eight of them holding them down and naming the ribs it's still happening so to my point of what i was saying to bill maher there is a high level of white privilege that we're still seeing on display. There's a high level and it's at a all time high. In today, it is. In today, we're still experiencing it as if it's no consequence. To me, that still seems like the white privilege that we're speaking of. If we're saying, oh God, these senseless murders are happening. Oh my God, this black man died. Oh my God, this black man was killed. Oh my God, this black woman was killed. And then you still continue to see it. It's almost as if, so what? There's no consequences. 
So mm -hmm. that's what I'm speaking of. When you see the white women that are now confident with saying to black people and black women, you you go back, you black. It's a reason for that. That confidence that I can do this and there is no consequence is what I was speaking on behalf of. Right. So for Bill Maher to act as if he's ignorant or blind to that, I felt was ridiculous. I, I didn't think that that made sense. We're witnessing that we shouldn't be seeing in today's time. That's what I'm saying. Right. Bill, you know that. Yeah. You ever, you ever think he goes back and forth and says thing to gaslight you to get this conversation, to get that? Uh, well, I don't, I mean, I'm the wrong person to do it because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give it that much energy. This is right. just one of, of making sure people in general understand what, what just needs to be, what needs to be verbally said on a regular. Right? And, right and that's if the goal in the world this is very simple to me if the goal in the world is about equality right that means we have to understand the unfair gap in between that's prohibiting that's prohibiting the the surge of equality that we're all looking for right because we feel like there's a significant disadvantage we're starting way from behind and we're not getting any help to close the gap. So because of that, we're frustrated, we're angry. Because of that, we feel like we're being suppressed still. That's a part of the problem. Help us close that gap. This is what minorities, black and brown people, this is what we're talking about. About from the start, there was a significant advantage for the white culture. You started out way ahead. There's no reason why I'm still giving financial uh, financial advice in black communities about a checking and a savings account because all we have is check cash in places and lick stores. That's not a coincidence. We're set up to lose. We're not set up to win. So when you get older and you start to see this, you speak on it so that you can try to make other people more aware. That's That's all it is. So when you say things that show that you're still unaware by going back and making a reference like you did and taking what I said so literal and equating it to the days of, you know, of, of water fountains for blacks and hosing black people down and sicking dogs on them. Well, you're making my point, right? You're making my point. Uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's one where I think, um, we are seeing more corporations take responsibility in making sure that uh, they have a diverse identity um, in-house. We're seeing more board changes where there's black personnel that's being involved. Um, you know, in a lot of the place of business that I play in entertainment, I'm seeing much more color on sets, much more opportunity. Uh, we're seeing women progress. We're seeing change. Yes, we are. But is it anywhere near where it needs to be yet? No. It's not where it needs mm -hmm. to be. What do you tell so, your son back to fatherhood? What do you tell your son now? He's a teenager. He's about to get his license. He's about to start driving. He's about to get on the road. And you know, what, what do you tell your son? I, I know the neighborhood that I live in and seeing me drive through that neighborhood is okay because of who I am. Right. But they don't know my son. They don't know my daughter. Right? So the attachment to my child in whatever vehicle is not the same as if it's me. And, and those conversations with cops are different. They are. Mm -hmm. 
They are different. I don't care. I don't care what you say. It's not the same. It's not the same in any way, shape or form. The questions, the assumption of what are you doing here? Why are you here? What are you doing up here? Those questions are real. So when you act as if they aren't, and when you act as if it's not, as if it's not a true matter that really needs to be not just handled, not just addressed, but changed for the comfort, for the comfort and safety of people and their loved ones and their kids. Like that's a real thing, the gamble of, all right, man, my baby driving this car at night, they go on the said thing, please God, don't let nobody stop them at night and think it's a situation where, you know, they go to ask for papers and registration and my kid's the one that reaches and it becomes, why are we thinking like that? Why, why is that? Why is that the immediate thought? And is that even a thought for the other side? It's not. No, no not at all. It's not. And that's the prop. That's what we're saying is a problem. That's what we're saying is an issue. And that's the frustrating thing that I think that I think the high volume aren't truly allowing, you're not letting it register. You're not letting the discomfort register through the real actions that we're seeing on display. And yes, the internet can take it and, and, and blow things up. And, 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 you know, we see a lot more than maybe we would have ever seen. But I swear to God, it is a consistency behind the same narrative. And that's a problem. That's what I was speaking on. Nothing more. You know, during the pandemic, I seen you picked a bike ride. Yeah. Now, what got you on the bike? And when are you coming to New Jersey to do some real riding up up the real hills, not not the flatlands that y'all do in LA? No, you know, we got canyons. We we got yeah, some they... canyons. We got some real <laughs> canyons out there. We got real canyons Schaefer, out there. Schaefer, you know? Schaefer and Fred told me you was out. You wasn't like a hill, a hilly hill guy. That's no, Schaefer. Schaefer right now is Schaefer. Honestly, was in the space where I wasn't with Schaefer. I said, Schaefer, I'm gonna leave you alone mm-hmm. until I'm ready. But you know, I can go do a comfortable. I can put up anywhere <laughs> between the 27 and 30, 32, 34 with some with some hills and stuff in it. Now, you know, if you guys got a crazy cadence and and you know y'all got a different rhythm. To you, <laughs> You know, like I'm, I'm gonna have a conversation. I, I got no problem with saying, "Give me the text, me the trail." <laughs> so, so I know I got, I got the pack. I got everything I need. I got my kit. I got my repair kit. So if if I'm out with some people that need to go, you go. But what I I like the calm that's attached to it. Like I'm I'm looking for the hobbies that act as uh as as meditation. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the same thing that running was for me. Running is you yourself and and just a, a calm that bike is the same thing you get out there with a nice group everybody ride that when the the trail you go on the road you go on if you're out there at the right time it feels like it's just you you get to be in your own space man and i i just like i like shutting off and that's that's what the road Do you have the gel is. shorts you have those gel shorts i go, I go the whole nine I'm out there. They make fun of me all the time. I'm like, you need the gel shorts and your I'm ass gonna hurt. I'm out there. I'm out there in a whole nine. <laughs> Leotard, framed up. That's right. <laughs> Giving you what you wanted in light. I'm confident about it. <laughs> I'm good. Now, when good. you guys get off the bike, are you walking funny? No, man, it's a thing. If you, if you're <laughs> I don't know. This, 
If you're a part of this lifestyle, it's a thing. There's no, there's no shame. You're good. Like it's, it's good. You, you are okay. Even let the straps down on the leotard after a mine and, and feel good about it. Throw your flip flops on. You know, as if you're clicking in. I'm also clicking in. I'm the real deal. I'm I see you fall. I see yeah, you fall. I definitely did. In the beginning, it was tough. It was tough. I was in that driveway. Oh, man. <laughs> well, Fatherhood is out this weekend. Make sure you go check it out. And we appreciate you checking in. Be safe, man. It's in the family. I love and all that, man. Yeah, always. Kevin, we, we do always appreciate you checking in with the Breakfast Club. It does mean a lot to us because, you know, you are going to be a billionaire by the time you're 45. Hopefully, you'll still be checking in at that time. Listen, I'm, I'm never going to change. I'm not going anywhere, regardless of the success. I love you guys. You guys have been riding with me forever, uh, which is why I'm going to do the same in return. And to all the listeners or the watchers, please, guys, Friday the 18th is going down. Fatherhood, I promise you, this movie does not disappoint. I promise, I promise, I promise you're going to walk away with an amazing message, with an amazing amount of feel good at the end of the day. And uh, lastly, I really do mean it when I say live, love, and laugh. We don't have that much time, man. Wasting our time on this goddamn earth and, and doing it in a negative space, it does none of us any good. So try your best to adapt that good energy, man. That positive energy is the best flow, point blank. Fatherhood, just in time for Father's Day. That's right. right. Appreciate it. The Breakfast Club, sure. good morning. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. I hate interviews on Zoom. I just hate it. I do too, especially when it's our, our guy Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart's yeah. energy is always uh, pure, and it, it 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 uplifts everyone around him. I'm Absolutely. mad I missed that one. All right, well let's get to the rumors. Let's talk BET Awards. Listen up. This just in. All the gossip. Gossip. The rumor report. Gossip. With Angela. Angela Yee. It's the rumor report. The Breakfast Club. Well, are y'all ready for the BET Awards? Taraji P. Henson is going to be hosting. Mm. And Queen Latifah is getting the prestigious Lifetime Achievement Award. So get ready to watch that on Sunday, June 27th at 8 p.m. So it's going to be live. Those are two very good uh, selling points. I'm mm. already sold. Taraji P. Henson hosting and Queen Latifah getting a, a long overdue Lifetime Achievement Award. I'm there. All right, you can also now vote for the 2021 BET Awards Viewer's Choice Award. The theme of this year's show is Year of the Black Woman in honor of their contributions to the culture. Okay, drop on the clues bombs for black, black women. All right, Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck have been pictured kissing as the return of Benifer is here. There were paparazzi photos in the New York Post that showed the two of them kissing while enjoying a meal with members of J-Lo's family at Malibu's Nobu Sushi Restaurant. They are left, they just picked up right where they fast. left off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I he, mean, they have history, they were engaged. He don't deserve that though, especially after how he ruined Batman. What? <laughs> I'm serious. Just the fact Ben Affleck ruined Batman. He don't deserve J-Lo. Why you get a prize for ruining Batman? I mean, they've been together before. I'm sure they're very comfortable with each other. He saw an in and he... Where did? Yeah, that's what happens. Yeah. That's why you can't slip up, guys. All right, Bernie Mac's daughter is talking about two actors who she would like to play, Bernie Mac and a biopic. They did announce at the Tribeca Film Festival that that movie is going to be coming. So the two people who uh, Janice McCullough said that she would like to play her father in that movie are Aldous Hodge. You know Aldous Hodge. from mm-hmm. He played MC Ren in Straight mm-hmm. Outta Compton. Mm-hmm. He's also going to be playing... Uh, He's gonna also gonna be playing Carter Hall Hawkman in the upcoming DC Extended Universe film Black Adam. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
and he was in Underground, uh, Jim Brown, and One Night in Miami. He was in Hidden Figures. So she said Aldous Hodge, and she also said YouTube star Mark Phillips. She would like to say see play her dad, Bernie Mac. I don't know Mark Phillips. He has 4 million followers on YouTube, and I saw that he saw what she posted and said, how uh, he said, honored to even be considered as someone who could possibly play the role of the legend Bernie Mac. Well, if she knows him and, you know, he got that many followers on YouTube, I'm sure he's a star. Because, boy, them kids love those YouTubers and TikTokers. They definitely do. Keep acting like they don't matter out here if you want to. Yeah, she said that she loves uh, Mark Phillips and she feels like he would be <clears throat> a great candidate. And she said the energy that he has on YouTube reminds her of her father. And a lot of people on Twitter agreed with that. Ooh, I got to go check him out. What's his name again? Why okay. Say it like that? I don't know if he's single or not. You saying, I mean, knock it off. Ooh. You saying his energy is like Bernie Mac? Ooh. Mark Phillips is Y'all are ridiculous. <laughs> we ridiculous. Yeah, Ooh. I want to see his talent, okay? If, the, if, if, if Bernie Mac's daughter yeah, is saying that this man right. reminds her of her father, that's a big claim. I want to go see. Ooh. Yeah. Y'all are ridiculous. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, now Kenya Barris is going to be making his feature directorial debut. It's going to be a Netflix comedy film starring Jonah Hill. And Jonah Hill and Kenya Barris are going to co-write and co-produce the project. So it should be interesting um, to watch. It's going to be the first time he's doing, like I said, a feature debut. But he does, of course, have directing experience with some episodes of Blackish, And he also was supposed to direct the Richard Pryor biopic. And he's going to be writing and co-producing that with Richard Pryor's widow, Jennifer Lee Pryor. Mm-hmm. All right. Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine are opening a public high school in L.A. That's pretty dope. It's called Regional High School Number 1. So right now, that's the name of it. It's not clear if that's going to change or not. Students who don't live in that area will be provided with transportation. Now, Jimmy Iovine spoke about this in the L.A. Times. He said this is for kids who want to go out and start their own company or go work at a place like Marvel or Apple or companies like that. Dr. Dre said his desire is to inspire the younger me. He said this is something new and different that might excite the kids and make them want to go to school. So it's like a like an art school or... They said it's not necessarily, it's not a music school or anything like that. It's about to, it's trying to help bring out creativity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it could be in anything that it is that you want to do and that you're passionate about. I love anybody that opens a school, man. Dr. Dre, Jimmy Iovine, you know, Jalen Rose, LeBron James. I think owning a school, I think Diddy owns a charter school too, right? Yep. Yep. Owning a school is a different level of of bossness. Mm -hmm. That's different. Yeah, you know, so uh, congratulations to them. You got to help Dr. Umar, man. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I want Dr. Umar in that conversation. Okay? Yeah, he, he said he, he just needs some, he got some the brothers to, to help build out some of the stuff that he needs. He just needs need the infrastructure, he man. He needs some electricians. He needs some plumber. He needs some contractors. Mm-hmm. He said he'll pay for all the supplies. He just needs some brothers to help with the labor. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that is your rumor report. All right. Let me pay my meter. All right. Charlamagne, who are you giving that donkey to? Uh, I need Lara Trump. I don't know if it's Lara or Laura. Lara. 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 Uh, but I need her to come to the front of the congregation. We'd like to have a word with her. All right. We'll get into that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Donald J. Trump is calling for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States. Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners when somebody disrespects our flag to say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now. Out. He's fired. He's fired. Trump, please step up to the congregation. Yes, you are a Trump. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists. He's a jackass. Hello, hello. Donkey of the Day for Tuesday, June 15th goes to Lara Trump. 
uh, who is Lara Trump. She is the daughter-in-law of the former t- uh, twice-impeached celebrity-in-chief of the United States of America. And it's safe to say Fox News is willing to use the Trump name for ratings, regardless if there's a Donald in front of it or not. Okay, if it bleeds, it leads. If it's Trump, ratings jump. Hey, let's just be honest with each other, okay? Whether you agree or disagree with anything that comes out of a Trump's mouth, they move the needle, okay? I don't even know what that means, but it, it's provocative. It gets the people going. And Laura Trump is no different, okay? She was on Fox News, and her appearance, well, it, it, it got the people going. What was she talking about? Well, she was discussing border security. And what did she say? Well, let's just say she chose violence for 500, Alex. Let's go to Fox News for the report. Disgraceful to see. And I don't know what you tell the people that live at the southern border. I guess they better arm up and get guns and be ready. And maybe they're going to have to start taking matters into their own hands. It should never happen. These people should never make this dangerous journey here. Mm. Let's, let's listen to that one more time. She's what? talking about <laughs> she's talking about border security. OK, and then what she thinks should happen to migrants, I guess. Listen. Disgraceful to see, and I don't know what you tell the people that live at the southern border. I guess they better arm up and get guns and be ready, and maybe they're going to have to start taking matters into their own hands. Mm. It should never happen. These people should never make this dangerous journey here. This is where we are. This is where we are. That is awful. This is who we are. That is disgusting. This is what we are. America got to stop lying to yourself. I know, I know. We love to say America was built on faith and freedom, but the reality is America was built on violence. Good old-fashioned white violence. There's a great book written by uh, Herbert Shapiro titled White Violence and Black Response from Reconstruction to Montgomery. And in the book, Herbert speaks on the fact that we are taught that America is a society based on respect for the law and orderly procedures and that the Constitution stands as a safeguard of individual freedom and the courts and the police are supposedly established to enforce the law when a controversial issue arises in the American fabric. It is to be resolved, not in the streets, but through the democratic processes of elections. Uh, I think we all have been alive enough to know that this may be true for some, but not for everybody. (laughs) Okay. Herbert Shapiro also says in the book, uh, the courts have most often stood silent in the face of racist violence or have turned their wrath against the victims, not the perpetrators. The police have protected the mob rather than the mobbed and have often either aided the lynchers or displayed amazing inability to identify them. Where race is concerned, legislative or judicial action to deal with controversial issues has often come late and been partial in nature, while white violence has continued to terrorize black Americans without hindrance. This is true, but it's not just true for black Americans. The same rule applies for anyone who isn't white. And Laura Trump just proved that. This is why I'm talking about Herbert Shapiro's book this morning, because this is what he's talking about. Violence generated by white racism in news media and other institutions that fail to educate Americans about the oppressive social conditions that have root in these criminal acts. Okay, Herbert also discusses the irony of America associating violence as a behavior of black people. When we all know in the history of America, white racism has generated more violence than anything black people have ever done or thought about doing. By the way, can you imagine if a black broadcaster got on TV and said that black people need to pick up arms and take matters into Mm -hmm. their own hands in regards to anything we don't like? (laughs) What's crazy is the migrants aren't doing anything but seeking a better life. It's not like they're coming across the border and breaking into people's homes that live on the border, at least not that I know of. If that was the case, by all means, protect yourself, protect your family, protect your home. That's what the Second Amendment is for. That's why I say when you're black, owning a legal firearm in America is a form of self-care. But Laura Trump didn't tell people to take up arms because they're under under attack or because their lives are being threatened. She's simply telling folks to take up arms because she doesn't want migrants crossing the border. Imagine if I told black people or any oppressed group they better arm up 
and get guns and be ready. And maybe they will have to take matters into their own hands. It's to take matters in your own hands part. Do you realize what would happen if oppressed people in this country ever took up arms and took matters in their own hands since the government and other institutions in this country have never wanted to give us real justice? Can you imagine this type of call to action geared towards white supremacy and racist institutions in America? Can you imagine a black or Latino person on TV calling for oppressed people to get guns and take matters in their own hands in regards to a group of people? Oof. What's crazy about this is, uh, you know, it's a blatant, direct call to shoot migrants crossing the border. But if someone at the border was to actually take Laura Trump's advice, she would say she didn't mean it like that. She would blame it on fake news, even though we all heard her. You know the privileged amongst us don't do accountability. And what Laura Trump did is uh, stochastic terrorism at its finest, the public demonization of a person or group resulting in the incitement of a violent act. Okay, Laura Trump knows exactly what she's doing and why she's doing it. Matter of fact, play, play the clip again, Dramos. Play it one more time. Disgraceful to see. And I don't know what you tell the people that live at the southern border. Stop right there. Stop right they- there. Stop right there. I don't know what you tell the people that live at the southern border. Laura, that's where you should have left it. That's where anyone should leave it when they simply don't know what to say. When you don't know what you should say, the best thing to say is nothing at all. Because, because That's right. Because silence can never be misquoted. As soon as your mind says, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to tell you, leave it. Okay, we live in this era where people feel like they have to speak, they have to be heard, but you should not talk unless you can improve the silence. Please let Kathy Griffin give Laura Trump the biggest hee-haw. Please give this giant jar of mayo the biggest hee-haw. Man, what's so sad is that who wants to really have to leave the place where they were born? They've known their whole lives. Nobody wants to have to do that. It's a dire situation. Like they said, it's dangerous. And a lot of times people are even sending their kids, right, because they want to make sure Uh that their children get a better life because they have a better chance of their children being able to get Mm -hmm. in and seeking asylum than whole families. It's a difficult, awful decision to have to make. The journey is already a death sentence, right? Like Uh this is it's it's something that you may not make it make it through. And imagine, then when you get here, you get shot. Imagine being right. so so scared for your lives that you send your children without you mm. because right. you want to make sure that they're okay and then you try to meet... That's awful. And by the way, I don't know what to do at the border. I'm not sitting here acting like I have, you know, the the the, the, the plan to, to get the border in order. I just know shooting them is not the answer. Not at all. All right. Well, thank you for that donkey of the day. Mm-hmm. Now, when we come back, who we kicking it with? Oh, my God. Peniel Joseph, man. Peniel Dr. Joseph. Peniel Joseph is... Uh, a author, he wrote a book that I read called The Sword and the Shield, The Revolutionary Lives of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. And I personally have never seen uh, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. humanized in the way that Dr. Peniel Joseph humanized them in this book. All right. It's, it's an amazing read, and it's been out for like a year. I'm late on it. I just read it this year, but I can't wait to talk to Dr. Peniel Joseph all about it. Yep, the brothers from Queens, New York. We're going to talk to him when we come back. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got a special guest with us this morning. That's right. Dr. Peniel Joseph. Now, I just found out it's from Queens, New York. Yes, absolutely. I read an amazing book called The Sword and the Shield, written by Dr. Peniel Joseph. One of the best books I've ever read. Um, I got around to it about a year late. I know it came out last year in March, but I got to it about a year late. But it really explores the revolutionary lives of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Brother Malcolm X in a very humanizing way. Like, like what made you want to explore them the way that you did? 
Well, I've always, you know, I'm going to uh, say what Muhammad Ali said about mm -hmm. Malcolm X. He said, I fell in love with Malcolm X when he was debating people and talking to people about black history. So I fell in love with Malcolm X um, by the time I was eight, nine, ten years old. Mm -hmm. uh, the Eyes on the Prize documentary series came out. And this is before Denzel's brilliant movie came out in 1992. I was 19 when wow. that movie came out. Um, so I've always loved Malcolm X. I think my love for Dr. King has come as I've gotten older, as I've become a father, as I've become um, just a, a deeper adult, because you see, one, how uh, Dr. King was radicalized in part by Malcolm X. But but I've also come to see that uh, certainly we need self-defense, what Malcolm X talked about, but we also mm -hmm. need the beloved community, uh, what Dr. King talked about. So mm -hmm. my, my whole thing was seeing how they they went from being rivals and adversaries to being each other's alter egos. Where did you learn a lot of this? Because, you know, in, in school, especially growing up, they Power on one. so deep. Like it was the I Have a Dream speech. It was a little bit of Malcolm X. So what made you want to learn more about these characters, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King? And You know, it was growing up in New York City, Envy. You know, my mother um, was part of uh, hospital workers, uh, SCIU 1199. And so we grew up in a city where we talked about social protest. I was a freshman in high school when Michael Griffith was 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 murdered uh, in December of 86 in Howard Beach. A white mob chased them out into the highway and the brother was just destroyed by, by, by a fast moving car and was trying to figure all this mm. stuff out in New York City. So this is before David Dinkins. Uh, this is when Eleanor Bumpers, who is a black uh, grandmother, was murdered by the police at in her own home and so all of that got me interested but then certainly eyes on the prize premiered in new york in 1987 88 on pbs channel 13 over here and we grew up in a new york city where channel 5 before fox news we used to watch the drive-in movies and you think about wu-tang they talk about shaolin mm -hmm. we 3 p.m on saturdays this is before cable this is before everything we used to watch uh, uh, you know, kung fu movies, right? So it was this idea of you were watching kung fu movies, hip hop. Run DMC lived on Hollis, right up the hill. So we used to see Run DMC. We used to be able to go to shows. They used to play at times right in PS34 Park. Um, but there was all this racial segregation. Ed Koch was the mayor of New York. Uh, Ronald Reagan was the president. All that got me interested in Malcolm X. First time I read about Malcolm, my mother had um, the autobiography of Malcolm X in the house, and I read that, and that just got me going. Man, how old are you? Because you were talking like you 50-something. You look like you in your late 20s. <laughs> he was born in 72, I'm, I'm, bro. I'm, 72. I'm, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm 48. Okay, I'm 48. wow. <laughs> Man, what, you vegan? A lot of water. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of water. A lot of, been practicing uh, yoga for 23 years. Okay, okay. And uh, yeah, all, all that good stuff. Yeah. Now, now, what does the metaphor to, uh, uh, in the book's title, The Sword and the Shield, refer to? And I'm glad you asked that. So we usually think about Malcolm X as the political sword of the black freedom struggle. And I even write in this book, Malcolm served as black America's prosecuting attorney. Mm -hmm. So he was prosecuting uh, the United States for crimes against black humanity that dated back to racial slavery. Dr. King is usually think, thought of as the, the shield. He's America's apostle of nonviolence, where uh, Malcolm is Harlem's hero of self-defense. We, we think about the ballot or the bullet speech. We think about Malcolm with a rifle by, by a window, and that's an iconic picture. What I argue in The Sword and the Shield is that both Malcolm and Martin are both. 
Malcolm X is not only the political sword of the black community, he becomes our prime minister who goes to Africa, right. the Middle East. He becomes El Hajj Malik Shabazz, and he wants to build the beloved community as well, but one that's rooted in truth and the truth of not just racial slavery, but our West African and our African heritage. So Malcolm is a Pan-African all day, every day, but he's also a Muslim. He's also a radical internationalist. King is not just somebody who's a man of peace. He's a man of peace. He's a man of God. Both of them are men of God. Um, but King is also this nonviolent revolutionary. King becomes so revolutionary after Doc, uh, Malcolm X's death, he, he's no longer on speaking terms with the president of the United States because he comes out against the Vietnam mm -hmm. War. And he starts to say things like, all white Americans have unconscious racism. He says the halls of the U.S. Congress are running wild with racism. In April 4th, 1967, at the Riverside Church in New York, he says that the greatest purveyor of violence in the, United, in, in the world is the United States of America. Mm -hmm. So that's the revolutionary king who goes to places like Marks, Mississippi, and tells poor black people that during Reconstruction, they were promised 40 acres and a mule. They didn't get their 40 acres and a mule, but he's going to lead a poor people's caravan to go to Washington, D.C. until they get the 40 acres and a mule. Mm -hmm. That's Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So he's both a sword and the shield, but Malcolm is as well. And what I argue in the book is that the person who most influences Dr. King's radicalism is Malcolm X. You know, they all, you know, Charlemagne always talks about how Malcolm and X, Malcolm X and Dr. King, uh, Dr. King spoke. Do you think they were assassinated because they were possibly going to join forces and come out together and that would just be too much power? Well, I think they definitely are assassinated because they represent a threat to the American political system. Um, I think that they would have gotten together. They spoke together once on March 26, 1964 at the U.S. Senate. But one little known um, aspect that I get into in the book is that Malcolm saw King in Harlem uh, December 17, 1964. He was sitting next to Andy Young, Andrew mm -hmm. Young, a former mayor of Atlanta, a former U.N. ambassador. And he heard Dr. King give a whole speech after King won the Nobel Peace Prize. And not just that, he speaks about that speech in Harlem a few days later and says that it was a terrific speech. He's impressed. And he goes to Alabama to visit with Dr. King. And Dr. King's in prison. And he visits instead with Coretta Scott King, Dr. King's wife, and really political partner. We think of uh, Coretta Scott King as just his wife. She's a brilliant organizer, political partner, intellectual. She's his, 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 his better half, let's, let's face it. And so when we think about Malcolm, Malcolm was ready to join forces with King, but on his own terms. He wasn't going to do the same thing. He, Malcolm always believed in black dignity. Uh, King believed in black citizenship. Over time, they both come to believe in black dignity and citizenship. And Malcolm X defined black dignity as the end of world white supremacy. All right, we got more with Dr. Peniel Joseph. When we come back, don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Dr. Peniel Joseph. Charlemagne? Let, let's, let's dig in on that a little bit more because I love the concept of radical black dignity. It's weird because I've I read the autobiography of Malcolm X a few times. Love message to the black man by Elijah, by Elijah Muhammad. Swear by those books, but I don't remember that concept, you know, explored as much as when I read The Sword and the Shield. And I even incorporated a lot of the concept of radical black dignity in a commencement speech I gave for South Carolina That's State, great. you know, about a month ago. But can, but can you dig a little deeper on what that is? What is radical black dignity? Radical black dignity for Malcolm X is 
radical black political self-determination. So what that means is that Malcolm absolutely had this external critique. He critiqued white supremacy. He critiqued institutions that were brutalizing black people, the police, the whole deal. But he also expected a lot of ourselves. So Malcolm defines radical black dignity as black people coming to understand and love themselves through the pain and trauma of racial slavery and segregation and brutalization, that we have to understand that, but we have to not be as hard on ourselves as we usually are. Because Malcolm criticized us for loving white people and loving white supremacy too much. But what that meant was that we weren't able to face how we had been subjugated, mm -hmm. how, how we had been subjugated during racial slavery. Reason why Malcolm X goes to Africa three times, because people don't talk about the 1959 trip to Africa, where he's in Egypt, he's in the Middle East. He meets up with President, Vice President uh, Anwar el-Sadat. He meets up with Prince Faisal, Saudi Arabia, the whole deal. Malcolm went there to the Middle East and to Africa, even before he takes the Hajj, because he knew that black people had a history before the Middle Passage. So part of that dignity was we understood that, yes, not only had we been uh, kings and queens, and obviously not all of us were just kings and queens in Africa, but we had a history before the U.S. We had a history before European, uh, I won't even call it conquest, but being captives here and really recreating Western civilization through our own protest. Another part of radical black dignity is black beauty and black love. Uh, Malcolm, uh, following Marcus Mosiah Garvey, believed in the beauty of black people intrinsically. Black women, black men, black children, black babies, black neighborhoods. So mm -hmm. when we think about this idea of self-determination, and my final point is, this is why Malcolm has a critique of racial integration. Not because he doesn't want an equal society. But Malcolm was horrified by the fact that it took troops to bring black children to school in Little Rock Central High School in 1957. Mm -hmm. Whereas King writes a, a, a telegram to President Eisenhower applauding that in September of 1957. Malcolm is angry and, and mad about that. Why? It's a sick society where our children, little black girls and boys, have to be guarded by troops to mm -hmm. go into a high school or an elementary school. And that's why Malcolm says American democracy is nothing but American hypocrisy. Right. And very famously, he says, you can't put a knife nine inches in a person's back, take it out three inches and call that progress. That's right. You haven't taken out the knife and you haven't even acknowledged the wound. So black dignity is us understanding our own struggle, loving ourselves through the joy and the trauma of that struggle. Remember, the reason why Malcolm X is the best order in American history, and I'll say Dr. King's number two, the reason why Malcolm's the best, Malcolm has a great sense of humor. He actually forces us to confront uh, this through, through different parables. And when he talks about house Negroes versus field Negroes, he's talking about black dignity, but he's also talking that we have class tensions in our own community. Um, sometimes you'll have historians and scholars that say, well, the house Negro, field Negro is more complicated than that. Malcolm's giving us allegories that everyone can understand. That's why he says, make it plain. So the house Negroes were black folks who had more identification with white supremacy and white masters. And that's why Malcolm says, when the white master got sick, the house Negro said, we, we sick, sick, right? And, and field Negroes, Malcolm defined them like he defined himself. Black people who were catching hell every day and who were bold enough to resist uh, against white supremacy. So black dignity is huge, huge, huge. And this is why when we think about the Malcolm and Martin, the dichotomy and the convergence, 
It's only because of Malcolm X that Dr. King starts talking about black dignity. Dr. King starts saying black is beautiful and it's so beautiful to be black. Dr. King by 1967 tells us that they even tell us little white lies are better than black lies. Black lies. That's Dr. King only because Malcolm X had taught all of us about black dignity. Before Malcolm, we were all Negroes who turned into black people because of Malcolm X. In the book, you lay out how they each become the other's alter ego. Essentially, to me, that's what the book is ultimately about. Can, can you explain that? Absolutely. When we think about Malcolm and Martin, over time, Dr. King becomes much more of a radical and a revolutionary, speaking truth to power in an unapologetic way in the tone of Malcolm X. My great example there is when Dr. King is in Marks, Mississippi in 1968, organizing the Poor People's Campaign. He tells the poor black folks in Marks, Mississippi, that the way they are living is a crime. That's the exact language that Malcolm X used to use about this crime against black humanity that had occurred. For Malcolm, it's the ballot or the bullet speech. The ballot or the bullet speech is the first time Malcolm X acknowledges the need for radical black citizenship. He had always acknowledged the need for radical black dignity, but Malcolm hedges. He doesn't believe in American democracy, never does. He believes in what? Black people. He says, the reason why I think we should do the ballot or the bullet is that I want black people to have a chance to utilize this political power and see where it gets them. Remember, Malcolm X had been in prison. Malcolm X's father had been killed early. Um, he always felt it was a white supremacist attack. His mother had been institutionalized. Malcolm had seen what I call the lower frequencies of the United States of America. So he was always skeptical about democracy working the way in which white people pretended it worked, right? But what he did was he had faith in who? Black people. He was schooled by his mother, Louise Norton Little, who was from Grenada. So Malcolm has Caribbean blood mm -hmm. as well as the African, African-American blood. He was schooled by his father, uh, Earl Little. He was schooled by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Mm -hmm. But he was also schooled by all these revolutionary leaders in the Middle East and Africa, right? So when you think about Malcolm becomes closer to King through this acknowledgement that we need to end worldwide supremacy, not just through self-defense, but we're going to need that beloved community. But Malcolm Hedges, he says, one, I only believe in black people vis-a-vis -vis this democracy thing. But two, he says that white people and his language is this sincere white people can be part of the movement. What did he define as sincere? He defined it sincere as what Du Bois called abolitionist democracy. White people who are going to be willing to put themselves on the line, right, to transform the entire world. So Du Bois always said, and W.B. Du Bois is the, the, the intellectual who was the founder of the NAACP, one of the most important intellectuals ever. But what he wrote in a book, 1935, called Black Reconstruction, was he wrote the true history of Reconstruction. He pushed back against the lost cause history that had said we were apes and monsters and we were raping white women. He showed how... Black people tried to reimagine American democracy, and the only reason the country exists in the form it exists now is because of our labor, our sweat, our sacrifice, our love, our patriotism, right? And so when we think about Malcolm and Martin, Martin becomes closer to Malcolm, where he becomes this unfettered revolutionary, he becomes a pillar of fire, an Old Testament prophet. He's Amos, he's Jeremiah, he's Moses by the end of his life. And Malcolm becomes closer to King, where he starts to say that not only is he a prosecuting attorney, he becomes black America's prime minister in the last year of his life. Malcolm X had an office at the United Nations. Malcolm X could go and speak to Prime Minister Kwame Nkrumah in Ghana. He could speak to Namdi Azikiwe in, 
in um, Nigeria. He could speak to Mohamed Babu, who's the prime minister of Zanzibar. So that's when he becomes closer to Dr. King. So they really um, converge. And you could see the, the, the love and admiration that Malcolm has for him when he, he tells uh, Coretta Scott how much he admires her husband mm -hmm. in Selma. And when you read the statement that King sends after Malcolm's assassination, he, he expresses his admiration and says what a, what a great man Malcolm X was, who was constantly changing. So you can see the convergence between both of them, even in their lifetimes. Let me tell you something, man. His name is Dr. Peniel Joseph. The book is The Sword and the Shield. I'm not even exaggerating when I say it's one of the best books that I've ever read <laughs> in my entire existence on this planet. I think everybody should go out there and get The Sword and the Shield right now. It explores the revolutionary lives of, of Malcolm X and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., I, I can't wait to just read more of your stuff, Dr. Pinnell. Well, thank you, uh, Charlemagne the God. It's It's been great. It's an honor. It's a pleasure to be here. You're an icon. No, um, stop. So, so, so I, I'm, I'm really appreciative of uh, this opportunity and to, to chop it up with you, to dialogue, especially as somebody from uh, New York City, a native New Yorker. It's Dr. Pinnell Joseph. It's The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. This is The Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. So listen up. Why are you sounding so depressed when you said that? <laughs> well, uh, you said we have a breakfast club. Yeah, yeah guy. Morning, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All got, right. He got some bad news from <laughs> I don't know what happened. We finally took the barricades down. Or the, the, barricades. That's what I call them, the barricades. The border. Yeah, yeah I can actually see you guys now, clearly. Yeah, it's not mm. looking good. Impressed. <laughs> 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 All right, now let's talk about Black Twitter reacting to Destiny's Child's Cater to You. Oh, 17 years after it came out, oh, they God. feel like uh, this song is outdated and not good. Listen to some of the lyrics. Baby, I see you working hard, wanna let you know I'm proud, let you know that I admire what you do. Don't know if I need to reassure you, my life will be purposeless without you. <sighs> They're saying, ah, oh, this is just too much. This message isn't aging well. Now, I do want to say this. When I listen to the song in the hook, right, she does say, let me cater to you because, baby, this is your day. So I'm feeling like this is a day that she's doing all this for him. I guess that's Father's Day, Running huh? his bathwater. Yeah, Father's <laughs> Day is coming up. Man. Now, the one thing I had an issue with in this song, listen to this part. Which part you want? The next one. I'm not helping anybody put their do-rag on. I had to draw the line at that. Now, I'll run the bathwater, I'll do all that other stuff. But I'm not putting your do-rag on for you. Well, I mean, here's the thing. That, that's that's the way. <laughs> that's they, a very personal thing. I'm not going to tie it tight enough. Yeah, and that's the way they choose to cater to their man. Like, each man's needs are different. Women can cater to their men however they want. That's crazy. We but had I, a conversation about a 17-year-old song. Yeah, but I, oh, you know, I do. they discover 90s hip-hop. I, oh <laughs> I do think that there's times your man is going to cater to you and times you're going to cater to him. Yeah, and I think I actually that, enjoy doing that. Yeah, and I think these people are trolls. Either trolls or people that are bored doing doing social experiments because there's absolutely nothing problematic about catering to you. Catering to you works both ways, as Angela Yee just said. It just so happened women made a song about it. Okay. And she said it's your day, so it makes it seem like today I'm gonna do all this for you. Hmm. Can we get into scrubs and, and, and pigeons next? Can we do that one next? And, and by the way, if you're not <laughs> oh catering to your man, it's probably because you simply Did you haven't. Just all lives matter. The song. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if you're not catering to your man or your significant other, it's probably because you simply haven't found your soulmate. When you find that one who is committed to you in a real way, that's catering to them is nothing. Right. That's life. Okay, now Joe Exotic is launching his own cannabis line from jail. 
<laughs> so if you guys want to get that, you know, you can um, get some of his uh, Joe Exotic cannabis. Would y'all want to smoke on some of that Joe Exotic? No. No, that's not the exotic. I'll I like smoking on. Probably got meth in it. Definitely probably got meth in it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not messing with that. All right. Now, James Harden has been appointed to the board at Saks. He's an independent member of the board. He has made a minority investment in the company, so he's going to bring his expertise to help grow high-potential consumer brands combined with a unique perspective as a notable fashion enthusiast. Smart. Yeah, Very that's smart. dope. He's going to need something to do because they bucks and seven. <laughs> I didn't even know Saks was still open. I thought they were closing Saks. A lot of them did close uh-huh. down, but there's still some open. Maybe they're regrouping. But, yes, they have closed it in a, uh, some locations. It's like three. All right, now Chrissy Teigen has issued an apology after this whole bullying scandal that she had. If y'all remember, uh, she at first apologized to Courtney Stodden, TV personality Courtney Stodden. And this is for some things that she said to her back in the 2010s and into 2011. Stodden, when at the age of 16, married 50-year-old acting coach Doug Hutchinson. Uh, Stodden is non-binary. They're now divorced. And Stodden was saying at a child, you know, back in retrospect, it was clear during their marriage that she was being abused by an adult man. But she was uh, widely considered to be someone ridiculous and mockable. And people called them the child bride. They made a lot of jokes at their expense. And Chrissy Teigen also harassed and bullied her. And Courtney Stodden pointed this out. This happened when she was only 16. She said, at the time when I needed help, I was being abused. And she talked about the tweets that Teigen sent to her. She said, I hate you. And Stodden said it really did affect her at the time when you have somebody like Chrissy Teigen being uh, childish and bullying children. Now, since then... Chrissy Teigen has apologized. She got off of social media. Now she's written another apology letter called Hi Again. And she said, I've apologized publicly to one person, but there are others and more than just a few who I need to say I'm sorry to. I'm in the process of privately reaching out to the people I insulted. It's like my own version of the show. My name is Earl. I understand they may not want to speak to me. I don't think I'd like to speak to me. The real truth in all of this is how much I actually cannot take confrontation. But if they do, I'm here and I will listen to what they have to say. And she did go on to end it with I was a full I was a troll, full stop, and I am so sorry. Now, Michael Costello, who is a designer from Project Runway, he says that he was also bullied by Chrissy Teigen, and he posted, I didn't want to do this, but I cannot be happy until I speak my mind. I need to heal, and in order for me to do that, I must reveal what I've been going through. I wanted to kill myself, and I'm still traumatized, depressed, and have thoughts of suicide. He said that Chrissy Teigen actually also uh, sent him messages. There was some post that accused him of being a racist but it was photoshopped and Chrissy Teigen then uh, he posted the DM conversation uh, she said he said Chrissy can I call you because she posted it thinking it was real and he and she said no I do not have anything to say to you you will get what's coming to you and he said Chrissy I've never called anyone the n-word those fake images were photoshopped from a former disgruntled employee and she said good luck with that LMAO hope that story keeps your already dead career going and good racist people like you deserve to suffer and die. You might as well be dead. Your career is over. Just watch. Lord have mercy. All right. So she's she hasn't apologized to him directly yet, but we'll see how she responds to that. Well, that's a prime example of everybody gets a turn. Mm-hmm. Like you know, at some point, uh, this this cancel culture comes for everyone. And that's a fact. All right. Well, that is your rumor report. All right. Shout to Revolt. Everybody else to mix this up next. Let's go. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Yes, now, we shout are. Shout out to Kevin Hart for joining us this morning. Mm-hmm. Fatherhood is in theaters, and Father's Day, by the way, is this weekend. That's right. Great, I great. mean, not in theaters, but on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Great content for Father's Day weekend. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good placing, Kev. Juneteenth is also this weekend. Yep, Juneteenth is this, uh, Saturday. Uh, June, Saturday. Yep, the nineteenth. And you know what? There's this huge event that's going to be happening. It's going to be live streamed, but in person at Brooklyn Bowl with. 
Earth, Wind & Fire performing. You know I love that. Now Rogers and Chic, India Ari, uh, Darius Rucker, Aloe Black. Amanda Seals is hosting it and JB Smooth. So Amanda going to be in New York? Yes, apparently. She'll be really? there. On, um, I think it's, it's going to be at Brooklyn Bowl. They're filming it on Wednesday and then they're going to stream it. Okay. That's dope. And also a uh, shout out to uh, Peniel Joseph for joining us. Man, Peniel Joseph, if you have not read Sword in the Shield, or if you want to listen to the Sword in the Shield on Audible, please do. Um, it's about the revolutionary lives of Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X, and it just explores it just explores their humanity in a way I haven't I haven't seen their humanity explored. So salute to my guy, Peniel Joseph. Okay. All right. When we come back, we got the positive note. So don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Now, Charlamagne, you got a positive note. I do, man. I want to salute uh, Queen Anita Kopax. She has a book coming out called Shallow Waters. It is the second release on my book imprint, Black Privilege Publishing. It'll be out uh, August 3rd. It's a young adult fiction book um, about the, the African mermaid, Yimiya. But uh, I saw Anita Kopax post this morning um, a quote that I think is incredible. And she said, you can't F up anything that is meant for you. So stop being so scared of what will happen. Trust your intuition and let your heart and soul guide you on this journey. I promise you, you cannot mess up anything that is meant for you. I agree. Breakfast club, bitches. Y'all finished or y'all done?